Before we get into today's episode, we want to tell you that the ESPN College Football Podcast is now five days a week. Hosts Kurt Herbstreet, David Pollock, and Kevin Nagande are back and joined this year by Reese Davis, Matt Berry, Paul Feinbaum, Booger McFarland, and Joey Galloway. From weekend reaction to Monday morning previews, the ESPN College Football Podcast has it covered by the voices and perspectives you want to hear from. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, we've been telling you for weeks now, the Peabody and Emmy Award-winning 30 for 30 film series presents Once Upon a Time in Queens, a four-part documentary event about the city, the swagger, and the wild ride of the 1986 Mets. This documentary explores the epic tale of one of baseball's most dominant and iconic teams in their legendary World Series comeback. Hear from former Mets players and fans, including Dal Strawberry, Keith Hernandez, Bill Burr, Cindy Lauper, and more. All four parts of Upon a Time in Queens are available to stream on ESPN Plus and the ESPN app immediately. Man, I still think of uh, winning that third belt. I really do think it's attainable. I think anybody is crazy to count me out. Yeah, I hate the persona, hate the courage, but dude, facts are facts, man. I'm an accomplished athlete. If you guys can name somebody who has accomplished more than me in combat sports, dude, I will bend the knee. But there is, and he's right here. So I believe that, yeah, I am entitled to skip the whole damn line and fight Volkanovski because you know why? I deserved it. There's only one guy that I could do, and that's me. I believe I could beat him. Give me the opportunity, and I promise you, that overgrown midget, Alexander the Average, will bend the knee to King Triple C, period. You saw him, RC. That's King Triple C, Henry Zahudo, <laughs> announcing that he's coming back. And he had a lot to say about it. But before we get to that, later in the show, you and I are going to rank again the top five submission artists of all time in mixed martial arts in the UFC. Sorry, because I had to kind of limit it so that I don't smash you too bad. Man, listen. So we're going to limit it to the UFC's <laughs> top five submission artists. I appreciate and it. And also, Ryan, also, Ryan, we have to talk about unwritten rules in sports. Mm-hmm. Because there are just certain things you don't do and – did one of those things the <laughs> other day. We'll discuss that later, but first, big news coming out of Arizona. Henry Cejudo's back. And Ryan, you can call him cringe. People can call him anything. But the one thing you're going to have to call Henry Cejudo every single time you address him is a champion yeah. in every single thing that he does. And now that he's back, does that make you excited or is it a bit of indifference towards Henry Cejudo? It's absolutely it's absolutely not indifference. It's excitement. And I think he's right when he said, you know what, he should be a dude that gets to fight for the belt. When you look at Volk and what he's done, beating Brian Ortega, beating Max Holloway twice, no matter how you feel about it and the respect that he has, he's a true champion. But, sh- but so is Henry Cerruto, listen, uh, Demetrius Johnson was one of the most dominant champions we'd ever seen in the UFC. I mean, this dude was almost like perfection. And for Henry, for Henry Cejudo to lose to him and then come back and win. And then when you watch a guy like a TJ Dillashaw, who Henry Cejudo beat, come back and immediately get a top contender fight. And many of us are expecting that when everything 
pans out with the belt, he'll get an opportunity to fight for the championship. So a dude that's accomplished everything that Henry has, a dude that actually draws eyeballs to the screen, a dude who also when he speaks or when he tweets, we pay attention. Absolutely, he should get an opportunity to step into the octagon and win a championship and fight for a belt. And I think if you're Dana White, you put him in there immediately because you don't want something to happen. Listen, this is MMA. This is the UFC. You don't just take breaks and come back and can guarantee that you'll be exactly the same. So why waste a fight in a contender fight? Why put him in a situation where he might lose? Fast track him to vote. He's been talking trash. He's been showing that he wants to get in there and do battle. And I'm sure Volk will not turn it down. Well, well, the thing about Henry is this, and I've long stopped guessing or voting against Cejudo. I've known the kid since he was a young boy at the Olympic Training Center. He left high school, RC, to move into the OTC because he was viewed as a kid that could potentially make an Olympic team. He made it at a young yeah. age. He was the youngest Olympic champion of all time. He would wrestle in his high school matches, RC, but he would train with the U.S. team. So he would just wrestle That's with also and cheating. go to That's a high cheating. school. That's cheating. cheating. No, but this That's is cheating. not cheating. That's cheating, DC. It's so special. Hey, Ryan, do you think his coach had any issues <laughs> with bringing in the ringer? He's like, bring in the ringer. You know, yeah. bring in Cejudo. Yeah. So Henry would go wrestle those matches with those kids. It was never competitive. But he kept winning and winning and winning. And then the year before the Olympics, Henry got last in the world championships. Fast forward 12 months, dude's Olympic champion. Mm-hmm. Gets... Wiped out by Demetrius Johnson in the first fight. Fight lasted a minute. Give him a couple years. He beats Demetrius in Los Angeles. You can't guess against him. TJ Dillashaw supposed yep. to be the big, bad, scary bantamweight. Quick. He's going to be the first to go down a weight class and win two titles. Henry knocks him out in the first round. Mm-hmm. There is no betting against Henry Cejudo because when somebody's a winner, they find ways. He's extremely hardworking. He's as committed as anybody. Now, I know sometimes the, the, the persona can be a bit much. The cringe. The cringe can be a bit much. I love the fact that but, he admits that. <laughs> yeah, he does. That he, he like, does. hate the cringe. He does. <laughs> he does. But the reality is he had to find a way for people to pay attention, and they do now. And at him coming back at 145, I know it seems like a huge mountain to climb against Volkanovski. But like I said, I'm done picking against Henry Cejudo. Well, here's the thing, though. You keep saying you're done picking against Henry Cejudo, don't we also have to get to a point where we're done picking against Alexander Volkanovsky? I mean, isn't that a conversation that we no, no, just no, no. recently had? And so when no, you look right. at this fight... No, I'm not saying... No, I'm asking I'm not saying that he's question, gonna, I'm not saying, Wait, no, no, wait up, RC, wait a minute, because you, you, you're doing it again. Why are you getting scared? I, I see what you're doing. No, because I see what you're doing. You dra- hey, hey, RC, I told you in that pot of blue suit, you look like my pastor. But <laughs> well, you don't look preach. like my pastor right now. You start, you're starting to act. You're starting to act like a scumbag attorney right now, <laughs> trying to turn Volkanovski against me. That's what you're trying to do. I'm not saying I'm picking him to win. I'm just saying it's time that we got to really pay attention to him. So go on with your question, my friend. No, I, I absolutely believe you have to pay attention to Henry, but we also know that Volk is a true champion. And so if you got an, if you think if this fight is made. How do you see it playing out with Henry Cejudo having that long layoff, but being a champion and now facing a dude that's on a 20 fight win streak and really one of the top champions we've had in the UFC in recent history? You know what, RC? The crazy thing about Alexander Volkanovsky is if it was today and I had to choose who would win, I would pick Volkanovsky. I just saw it, right? It, it, the memory of what he can do in the octagon is much more fresh for me 
right now. Granted, I'm not saying Henry doesn't have a chance. I think only idiots would choose to say that Henry doesn't have a chance. But Volkanovski's a big guy. At a point, Alexander weighed two hundred over two hundred pounds. Right. Henry's never weighed more than one hundred and sixty-five pounds, even at his heaviest. Mm-hmm. So Hudo weighs about one sixty-five at the most. Right. It's it's a difference in size, and I think this would be one of the challenges that may prove to be the most difficult mm-hmm. for Henry Cejudo, who is my friend, who actually Ryan is going to be in Gilroy this weekend uh, at a wrestling uh, competition we're having between the school that he coaches and the school that I coach okay. in my academy. So. I'm going to see Henry this weekend and hopefully we can get into it a little bit and kind of try to get the, the thinking behind this, right? Because to be a three division champion, to be a three division champion, it's I mean, different. everybody thought Connor was going to be the one that pursued this first. Now it seems like Henry's going to be the first person to try to attempt to do something that honestly seems impossible. I think you make a great point when you talk about the things that Henry has actually overcome, whether it was being beat by Demetrius Johnson or finishing last at Worlds the year before you become the Olympic champion. And I would just be excited for this fight because anytime I think about champions versus champions and the type of mental toughness you have to have, the aggression, the way you have to be able to fight through adversities, these are two dudes that have done that and done that at the highest level in the biggest market possible for fighters in the UFC. Also, though, when you think of this how would this muddy the waters in that division? If you do get a Henry Cejudo, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky fight, now what does this mean for Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez? Is that a fight that's setting up for a contender? Or is Max Holloway actually taking a fight that pushes him further down the list or further back from getting another opportunity to fight for the belt? This is worst case scenario for those guys. Hearing this about Cejudo, Ryan, is absolute worst case for Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez because Max Holloway feels like the guy that can be fighting for the title right now. Volkanovski said it himself. He said, I'll fight him right now if I need to. I don't really care. But when you see a guy coming up from another weight class and it's a storyline because ultimately a lot of things boil down to the story. And now it's a story of a guy trying to be a three-division champion. It piques the interest, Mm -hmm. especially when we've already seen Max fight Volkanovski twice. Right? So it's like, well, we get something fresh. And then you also cannot run the risk of fighting Cejudo at 145 against anybody else but the champion because mm-hmm. he is smaller. He might get beat because he is smaller. But if it's me, I'm still going Holloway if he gets past or t- uh, if he gets past Yair Rodriguez. Because if you if you take Holloway and he looks impressive and you don't give him that title shot, then it's it just does not feel right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel right. But would I be upset with either of them fighting for the belt? Not necessarily. You know, it's just, it's just, a, a, it, it's fun because this is a weight class that for, uh, the, the, in the very recently has become very interesting and yeah. exciting. And having a Henry Cejudo in that only furthers that. So, uh, championship fights with fighters of that caliber are truly, truly special. And for a long time, 155 have been known as the deepest weight class in the UFC. We see at 145, there's a little bit of confusion in regards to who's going to be fighting for the belt. Exactly. One weight class, there is no more confusion, is at lightweight. Hell yeah. Dustin Poirier from Louisiana just confirmed yesterday, signed, sealed, and delivered. You know what that means, RC? That means that Penn has been put to paper and Poirier has signed the bout agreement to face 
Charles Oliveira for the championship, December 11th, exclusively on ESPN Plus and ESPN pay-per-view. How exciting is that, RC? I mean, I think when, when I look at it, I think back to our first show when it's Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor and me watching that fight or, or leading up to the fight thinking that Dustin Poirier is the, the best 155 pounder in the world. But then we have Charles Oliveira, who I think has one of the greatest UFC stories ever. This is a guy who was almost out of fighting, right? Almost out of UFC, losing on, on a streak where he couldn't win. And now he's fought his way all the way back and is actually getting pounded in the first round by Michael Chandler and lands a quick left and ends up putting him out in the second round. And so when I see him walking off, walking in front of the stage at the weigh-in that week in Vegas, I was like, oh, this dude is different, right? His, 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 his <laughs> chest was out. You know what I mean? His shoulders were back. You could tell he felt like he was the champ. Mm -hmm. I think this is the opportunity for him to truly prove it. When you look at Dustin Poirier and the type of people that he's run, run through in that division, where he was going into the Khabib uh, Nomorgamedov fight and then losing that and now coming away from that, beating Conor McGregor twice, showing that he is a dude that has actually reinvented himself reinvented himself and now is a new version of himself coming into this fight against Charles Oliveira. I think this is an amazing thing for the UFC, but I also think this is huge for the weight division that Dustin Poirier didn't chase money this time. And not saying that that's wrong, right? Obviously fighting oh, Conor cool. McGregor, that's the yeah. bigger billing. That's the opportunity to make money, but he didn't go look for a fight against a Diaz brother. He didn't mm -hmm. go try to fight a Jorge Masvidal, something that would have this huge buildup and all this excitement that would give him more money. Nah, he's chasing the belt. He's now finally going to get something he had as, as an interim champ. He's now finally trying to hold it by himself. And I'm excited to see the Louisiana boy get this opportunity. And I think the world truly wants to know who is the best 155 pounder in the world. And we find that out when these two fight on December 11th. It's two things, RC. It's two things, my brother. One, Dustin Poirier got a new contract yesterday too. And you <laughs> saw Conor McGregor's pay-per-view numbers and Abu Dhabi, 1.5 million. Conor McGregor, in that one fight with Dustin, sold both of me and Jones' fights combined. That one number was me and Jones combined. That was probably the two biggest numbers that Jones and I had over the course of our whole career. And they did that in one fight. So maybe Dustin Poirier now got paid so much, he's going to have his 25,000 square feet in the heart of Louisiana Whatever, like my man bro. Ryan Clark. Oh, my you know gosh. Maybe, maybe Dustin can finally afford his 25,000 square foot <laughs> mansion in the heart of Louisiana like my boy Ryan Clark. But it's also this, R.C., is this, when you said Charles is different, is this when R.C., when you see a Charles Oliveira for years and he's high champion, high champion from a distance, right? High champion. But then in Vegas, when he sees us, and is this one, Ryan, when they walk up to you with the hand up and they shake you, give you yeah. the hug. There's no more, there's no more, there's no more fan. Like, I'm a fan of this guy. It's I'm on the level of this guy. Mm -hmm. He just like me. Is that hand, is the shake hand, come together, bring the shoulder. Champions, they, they that's that's a guy that carries himself with confidence when he goes from saying hi from a distance to coming into you, embracing you, and and viewing you and matching you on the level yeah. of the confidence. And that's one thing that has allowed for Charles Oliveira to get to where he is today. Hey, nobody has finished more people. Nobody submitted more people in the UFC history yep. than Charles Oliveira. And Dustin Poirier is going to have his hands full with the Brazilian. Now, I understand Dustin has looked phenomenal lately, mm -hmm. but Dustin hasn't fought anybody like Dubronx. Dubronx is different right now. And he feels and believes 
that he's the absolute man at lightweight. And I'm telling you, RC, we felt it and we saw it in the confidence because when I we s- when, when he walked past us and he did that, hey. we both looked at each other. Yeah, like, I said, oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, I said, oh. And I, and, I th- I, and I love that about him because when you look at his story and where he's come from, that confidence has been earned. Right. This isn't a situation to where the UFC built him up as a champion. He had to go. He had to go through a a monstrous uh, tour of fighting good fighter after good fighter until getting his shot against Michael Chandler to win the championship. And so when you look at this division, it's, it's really starting to shape up that once we get the Dustin Poirier, Charles Oliveira winner, they're going to have a division that is coming after them with great fighter after great fighter really throughout the top 10. But one of those fighters is Islam Makachev. And we all know how you feel about him. You know, he's the most exciting fighter that's ever lived to you, DC. (laughs) And everything that he does is just so exhilarating. I mean, you feel like it's it's almost like you drink an energy drink every time he steps into the octagon. It changes your whole mood. I mean, you run into the octagon as fast as you ran out of the octagon after the Kevin Holland fight when you didn't know who to interview. And so... Islam Makachev, right, is, is looking for an right opponent. Here, man. My bad, he's looking for an opponent. No RDA. And Dan Hooker, who just fought on the 25th of September, steps up and takes this fight. I mean, he has to feel like this is an opportunity to regain what he lost by getting after getting knocked out to Michael Chandler. So for you, getting to see the most interesting, exciting, exhilarating <laughs> fighter that you've ever gotten to see since Khabib Nurmagomedov, no, no no. how do you think this no, shakes out? And what do you think about Hooker stepping up and taking it why are you doing that like i see that why are you doing that what I never said i never said he was the most exhilarated exciting fighter of all time how many superlatives can you put on top of who islam is to try to play me dog like no you went deep in the dictionary DC. You, you done gave him 10 different ones that's crazy dc do you remember Bro, so no remember that show you said that islam makachev was more exciting to watch than anderson silva ever was remember you said that i never said that you said, said that. you didn't say that Oh, no, that is, bro, you, you got some real crazy history going in your head right now. I don't know, man. I thought you said that. More, <laughs> hey, hey, dog, you're out of control. <laughs> and also, hey, look like the Wi-Fi just kicked in on the Contender Series because my stuff came in clear all of a sudden. <laughs> I can see you, dog. At first, I couldn't even see the letters on the bottom of the screen. <laughs> now I can see what's happening in terms of the show. But um, as we get to Hooker and Islam, I saw Dan Hooker on Saturday at the fight because one of their friends fought. Mm-hmm. And I went up to him after I interviewed somebody and I said, hey man, you're the man. Gave him five, gave him daps for taking the fight against Islam because a lot of people talk and they get mad about how we build Islam Makashev. Right. Dan Hooker's willing to step up and challenge that, which is crazy because most people ain't willing to do that. Now for Dan Hooker, he finds himself in a situation where this may be a number one contenders fight, right? Because People are ready to call Islam the man. They are ready to give him a title shot. People are ready to put him in the, the fight, fighting for the belt. Hey, Dustin Poirier the other day publicly stated Islam may be the toughest fight in the division for him. So he's getting crowned. Mm-hmm. He's as uncrowned as they come. Dan Hooker goes, wait a minute. Let me get the shine. If you guys all feel so strongly about this cat, what if I beat him? Can Dan Hooker be looked like in that same regard. Now that's one of the things, right? Ain't nothing worth having, no reward, if you ain't willing to risk something. And Dan Hooker is willing to take the risk. Now, is it a great matchup for him stylistically? Seems very difficult. 
But he's a man, he's a fighter, and he's going to go out there and try to beat Islam. It's going to be tough, but dude's doing it. Yeah, to me, and, and obviously there's no win-win situations, right? Either you get your hand raised after the fight or you don't. But if you're a guy like Dan Hooker who stood across from Michael Chandler with an opportunity to be the number one contender or at least get a shot at the belt, fighting against Charles Oliveira and you lose and now you come, you have an impressive showing and you get an opportunity against a guy like Islam who you are hearing all of these things about. I think he'll come into this fight as an underdog. This is a situation where he could show on short notice in the fight that he wasn't scheduled to take after just finishing a fight that he could show, you know what, I'm a different dude, not just as a fighter, mm -hmm. but as a person, as a man, a man that stepped up and probably taken a fight that many top five guys that have been dodging for the last couple of years when Islam Makachev was calling out person after person, fighter after fighter, and it seemed like no one wanted to step up and take this fight. But is this probably is this the toughest matchup for both of these dudes so far? Or do you think Dan has fought better competition or has Islam Makachev had a better matchup than Dan Hooker? I think it is the toughest fight for both guys. And if Islam can't get this fight to the ground, it becomes very difficult for him to just stand with Dan Hooker. There's only one guy that's beaten Islam Makachev, and that was Adriano Martins way back in the day, he kicked him in the head. With a head kick. Mm -hmm. um, it was in Houston. Islam and I, I think, might have fought on the same card. It does not happen to Islam. Right. Martins did it when he was able to stay standing. He wasn't able to take him down as effectively as he needed to. With Dan Hooker, Hooker presents a lot of problems for anyone mm -hmm. when you're forced to just stand with him. Right. But if, Ma if Makashev can get the fight to the ground, I'm telling you, man, and I've said this before, the grappling, the power, his ability to go find submissions and really just wear you down is second to none. But when you ask me a question of whether or not he's the toughest guy that he's ever stood across from in regards to name recognition, mm -hmm. skill, absolutely. Because he's not as one-dimensional as some of the other guys that Islam has been in there with. He's had the strikers. The last guy was a, was just a grappler. Right. And we saw the fight against Hakaras that yeah. Hooker has the ability to do it all. We saw him mix in takedowns. We mm -hmm. saw him defend takedowns. We saw him strike. We saw him do everything. So, yes, absolutely toughest fight Islam's had. Toughest fight that Dan Hooker's ever had. Luke Rockhold's calling me for some reason. I have no idea <laughs> what Luke's called. You know, Luke was all mad yesterday because Kevin Holland said something about Luke coming back. But Luke's been on my line. Like, Rockhold's been on my line now for days. He FaceTimes you. Hey, you hey. know you're lovely. Hey, you know you're lovely when all you want to do is FaceTime, right? You hey, want to show your face. I don't even hey, hey, just text. Well, here's the thing. I just noticed he's FaceTiming you and two others. So that must be a group text. Ain't no telling what's on that group text when uh yeah, you see it. You kidding me? Yeah, it's like Wait, five, that was more than G. It's like oh, five of y'all, DC. Oh, so he must be trying to text me and Deron. <laughs> hmm. No, it's just it's just me. DC. It's just me and Rocco. DC. Also this, so 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 here's a, here's another okay. question. Here's another yeah. question. Now, now that you're so famous and you want to show people that you do have one UFC or fight friend other than Khabib Nurmagomedov or yeah. Islam Makhachev, I get it, right? Now you're trying to say, oh, look at me. They're not my only two favorites. This fight, I think, is exciting for everybody because you do see the difference in the stylistic matchup, but you also watch Dan Hooker dominate in his last outing. And so it's not like he's coming off of a bad performance, going into a fight where everyone expects him to lose. And 
with it being so close, now he doesn't maybe have to cut weight. He doesn't have to go through such a hard training camp to prepare for this fight. But speaking of someone who maybe didn't do their training camp in the right way or mm. someone who mm. didn't necessarily cut weight in the right way was mm. Aspen Ladd. We watched mm. her miss weight and Misha Tate wasn't mm. at all excited or supportive oh, of what Aspen Ladd did. What do you think about this, DC? Well, Misha goes, hey, it's one thing to miss weight. It's another thing to try and cheat the scale and use every excuse in the book to not weigh in properly. Everyone saw you cheat and still came in a pound over. I bet you were every bit of 139 pounds. Now, this is what Misha's trying to allude to, RC. Please tell me. Like, There's a curtain. Me, bro. There, there is a curtain, my brother. Okay. That if you play it correctly, you can manipulate the scale. Okay. Because it does not take much in order to take weight off. Okay. If you have something to kind of touch or bury. So Aspen Ladd, mm -hmm. what I'm hearing, in the back, wasn't willing to step on the check scale. Okay. She wanted to only check on the official scale. If she checked on the check scale and it said 139 because there is no curtain to touch, then everybody knows when she goes up there, she weighs 135, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Her hands are up. But as she's shaking, moving, that skill's just bouncing, mm. right? So then uh, the hands go down. Misha seems to know something more. See how her hands are under the, under the, uh, the curtain here? Mm -hmm. I think that's what Misha's alluding to. Misha's alluding to her hands being under the curtain and messing with the weight. That's my guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Misha's getting this information, but she said it. She said she didn't get on the check scale. So I think she knows more than we do. And she's saying that Aspen cheated knowingly, knowing that she was overweight. 136 was the weight. She said she was every bit of 139. But if you get your hand on that thing, we saw, we saw a couple guys do it. I did it with the towel. I mean, that's what people say or think. I did it with the towel. I disagree. Uh, Kelvin Gaslam did it one time with that curtain thing. He pushed his fingers up against the curtain. Mm -hmm. The weight came off. It takes very little, right? I've got little wrestlers that at times they said that I they they said I said how how do you make weight? He was heavy. Um, somebody went behind him and maybe lifted him up on his butt, you know, like just kind of picked him right. up a little bit. It doesn't take much to cheat those scales, and I think Misha saying that Aspen Lad cheated the scale. Well, DC, I don't know much about about weighing in because as a, a slender man myself. I've never, yeah. I've necessarily, I've never had to like take off weight, but I've definitely had to <laughs> fake some weight, put some weights in my pocket and do some things for some <laughs> check-ins on Thursday in Pittsburgh. But a lot of times we see people come in overweight and they, they, they accept whatever punishment or whatever fine it is. And you see the fight continue or you may, or you see the fight the next day. Oh. Why is it that this fight didn't happen? Why did Macy not take this fight or accept That's this crazy. fight? That's crazy. So, 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 Ryan, here's the thing, and this is why the, the sport of mixed martial arts is beautiful, because mm -hmm. if you and I have a problem, RC, when we hit the scale, if you're a pound heavy and we got issues, I'm going to say, hey, I'm taking the fight and some of your money. Right. Because not only do I get to fight you still, I get some of your money. I get 20% of your purse mm -hmm. or 30 if you're as heavy as Misha's saying. One pound, Macy could have fought her. Macy could have taken some of her money. The problem is, the backstory is, Macy Shasson had a lingering injury going into their last fight. Okay. And they pulled the fight midweek. So Aspen was bet was mad. She spoke about her a little bit in the build to the fight. So Macy, and I quote, said, F that B mm. in regards to fighting Aspen Ladd 
on last weekend. It's bad. But to me, I'm like, hey, if you hate each other so much, go fight. Right. Go fight. It's, it's like the it's like fight. the it's like the one place in the world where if I dislike you, I get to punch you in your face and I don't go to jail. You know what I mean? It's like, like this is what, what this saying. is what we're paid to do. And I get some of your cash. I'm absolutely taking that. But people have, you know, their their own reasoning behind things. And I always wonder how that weight comes into play. If it, if it's one pound over, if it's two pound over or how heavy they balloon up to on fight night, mm -hmm. how much does that distort, you know, the opportunity to win a fight? So I think it was always the last five to five to three pounds that you really struggled with three to five pounds. You really struggle. And Aspen has struggled taking the weight before, right? She, this isn't the first time that she's missed weight. She's had issues with the weight, but Ryan, it's like the last few pounds that really hurt. And when they hurt, you really deplete yourself. So when you get that last bit of weight off, you can't eat, you can't right. drink. It takes a little longer for you to recover. But when somebody quits or when somebody stops, when it gets really hard, mm -hmm. now they just start to recover from when they felt just okay. You know, so yeah. instead of having to sit in that sauna for another two hours, another hour to get off that last 30, right. Ryan, you just say, you know what, I'm done. To right. get off that last three pounds, I'm done. I don't need to suffer that much. So you just recover much so she faster. Should, so, so, so is it time for her to move up, DC? Like, when do you know it's you can't make that weight anymore? So I don't want this to feel like we're kind of crapping on Aspen Lad RC. I'm, I'm, I just, I just want answers. Like this is interesting no, 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 to me. No, no, for real. But this is no, I get it. I don't want to feel like I'm crapping on Aspen Lad because she's a nice guy. But but put Ryan on the split screen as I tell you this. Ryan, the champion at 135 is who? Champion at 135 is Nunes. Yes, the champion at 145 is who? Nunes. So why not just go up? <laughs> After the championship. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. It's the same person, is what you're saying. It's the same exact person without having to cut weight. Why but wouldn't you just go up? There's, hey, Ryan, there's no weight class ranking. There's <laughs> nobody in the weight class. If she goes up as the number three ranked bantamweight in the world, she may get a title fight right away. So I don't understand why she keeps killing herself to right. make the weight. When she could just go up and fight the same person. Well, maybe she feels like the the, the people from 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 two to ten are easier for her to fight in one thirty five than one forty five. There is no two to ten. There's no two to ten, right? <laughs> There's no two to ten. We listen. We don't have we don't have rankings. rankings. It's Amanda, it's just Amanda. The girl she fought in the last time. Uh, the, the 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 girl from Australia. I can't remember her name. Tall girl. Yep. Megan Anderson is out of the UFC. The kid, the girl she fought before, Felicia Spencer, she hasn't fought. I don't think she's she lost. Mm -hmm. She might be out of the UFC. There are no rankings. You literally just go just, up a weight class. Hey, you go get a fight for the belt. I'm going up, son. I'm going up. <laughs> well, DC. Speaking of speaking of, of weight classes, and obviously weight classes, you know a lot about. We had a light heavyweight bout this weekend, and it's Johnny Walker, six six. Mohawk, ready to come throw them things. And then Bro, we get Tiago Santos, who's one of the more explosive fighters we've ever seen in that weight class. I mean, a dude that took John Jones to the brink on a bum knee. And so I'm actually sitting in UCLA's parking lot, watching on my phone, waiting to go in and watch ASU UCLA. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm telling I'm telling my wife, I'm telling my daughter in the back, oh, this is going to be explosive, babe. We ain't got to wait much longer because once this fight starts, it's over. And then it was like, bum, bum, bum. 
Why was this fight such a dud? (laughs) Bro, I don't know. I don't know. And you know what's crazy? It's like, how do fights like that happen? Mm -hmm. Now, when I start to dig into that, RC, you have a fight that's guaranteed to deliver. And then it turns into just an absolute stinker. Now, this fight wasn't as bad as some of the ones we've seen. We've seen some bad ones. We've seen Tiago Santos involved in bad ones. Him and Alexander Rakic was a bad fight. It was a bad fight. And somebody said something about Alexander Rockets the other day. And I was like, man, it was a bad fight. I call it as I see it. Saturday night was a bad fight. I I don't understand how Johnny Walker felt so confident that he had won Mm -hmm. when nothing was happening. But I think the all-time bad fights, like, I mean, how in the world could, look at at the strikes. Three in round one, 11, 11, 10, 9. Then you got 9, 10, 11, 8. How in the world do these two dudes land? 19, 29, 40, 48 strikes to 14, 25, 34, 44 to 48 strikes over five rounds. How in the world do these two dudes have 45 to 48 strikes? Worst fight of all time still, though. Francis Ngannou against Derek Lewis. That, so hey, I, I don't even know how that happened. Hey, how that happen? From 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 build up to letdown was that fight. I'm talking about the the excitement I had going into it and the disappointment I had leaving it were on two totally different ends of the spectrum of high. <laughs> I was so ticked off. But when you look at this division now, right? You, clearly, you look at both of these guys, and, and no statement was made this week. And I think sometimes no. when you have two explosive strikers, you can get this. You can kind of get a stalemate of, of, of what you've seen. But now you have uh, Jan Blachowicz is going to fight Glover Teixeira. Who is next in line to get a shot at the light heavyweight crown after what we saw this weekend between Johnny Walker and Tiago Santos? You know, I think you're on the short list, right? You got Yuri Prochka and you got Alexander Rakic. Those are the only two that are in a position where they could challenge right now. Anthony Smith has won fights in a row now, but he still has some work to do. He's trying to get the Rockets fight with the understanding that if he beats Rockets, he probably can get another championship fight as he fought Jones a while back. New champion means that you have new opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking Prochka, who just dominates dudes. I mean, the way Prochka has done these dudes to this point has truly been crazy because He's out there with that weird haircut. He's explosive, he's going though. crazy. Yeah. He's explosive. Yeah. He's just throwing everything. He's like a samurai out mm-hmm. there. And he's mowing through cats that are supposed to be good. I think for the fun fight, it would be Prohotchka. Right. But I would like to see Prohotchka fight against Rockage to see who would get a championship fight against Glover Teixeira and uh, Jan Bohovic. But could you imagine if Glover wins the belt? 43 years old, Ryan, becoming the UFC champion. I mean... You would not think in modern MMA, like today's McFarland, right. that's even possible. But you, but you know what, though? What, what's crazy is, I think we talked about Charles, Charles Oliveira earlier. Now you have Jan Bohovich in the light heavyweights. It's, it's starting to be that in some of these divisions, there isn't necessarily a star. You know, like I don't look at Jan and say to myself, he's a star. Not that he's not a great fighter. Not that he's not a championship level fighter, but it isn't the, the the things we feel when we think about like Israel Adesanya, or you think about this, the same place that Alexander Volkanovsky is now. And so I think that it's actually reinvigorated the division to me because people do feel like they have a chance. Anthony Smith feels like mm-hmm. he can fight his way back into contention. We can see a guy like Prohaska get, get an opportunity, or if, if, if you get the fight with Rockage and one of those guys win. And so to me, that is getting more and more exciting 
in that division, but we need someone to step up and say that it's my division. Every time I fight, it's going to be exciting. I'm going to step in there and I'm going to make sure that technically I do exactly what I have to do. And also physically, I do what I have to do. And I think the last two fights or the last few fights where we've seen, you know, a Jan Blachowicz take out a Reyes. We've seen a Jan Blachowicz understand that he needs to go to the ground with Israel Adesanya. He's starting to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And I think this fight with Glover Teixeira is going to be huge to keep him ascending into what could be superstardom in the division. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of DC and RC. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to rank the top five submission artists of all time. Plus, we preview the trilogy fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder.